Esther chapter 5. Now on the third day, Esther put on her royal clothing and stood in the inner court of the king's house next to the king's house. The king sat on his royal throne in the royal house next to the entrance to the house. When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favour in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what would you like, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you, even up to half the kingdom. Esther said, if it seems good to the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly, so that it may be done as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. The king said to Esther at the banquet of wine, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and my request is this. If I have found favour in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I will prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow, as the king has said. Then Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he didn't stand up nor move for him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. There he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh his wife. Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches, the multitude of his children, all the things in which the king had promoted him, and how he advanced him among the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Yes, Esther the queen let no man come in with the king to the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow I am also invited by her together with the king. Yet all that avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then Zeresh his wife and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made fifty cubits high, and in the morning speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on it. Then go in merrily with the king to the banquet. This pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. <laughs> um, by the way, the gallows, which is mentioned there, and it was mentioned a few chapters ago, they it's not like a hangman's gallows like you're probably imagining. They didn't hang people like that in the Persian Empire. They crucified them. Now the Romans, you know, you're familiar with Roman crucifixion. They made crucifixion into an art form. Not an art form like it was artistic, but they perfected it so that it was a terrible, terrible way to die. And uh, if Jesus had died a Persian crucifixion, it probably wouldn't have been as bad. But uh, when it says gallows, it's um, basically a big pole that they would hang people on but by pinning them up there. And so it was a crucifixion. And so at the end of the chapter here, Haman, you know, he wants to build some gallows. Or he wants to build a big pole so he can put Mordecai on it, 50 cubits high. That, by the way, is 25, approximately 25 metres. That's really high. And um, some of the commentators kind of doubt that it was that big. You know, why? Who cares? <laughs> but no, it could easily have been that big if, if he wanted... If Haman wanted Mordecai to be publicly seen by lots of people, that's the reason why you build a very high one. And it didn't necessarily have to be a pole on the ground that high. It could have been on top of another object, um, but very high so that it would be noted by a lot of people 
like a very public humiliation. That was the whole point of it. But anyway, that's at the end of the chapter. At the start of the chapter, Esther, it says on the third day, she went into the king. Now, you remember from chapter four, she was fasting for three days. She got her maidens, like her servants, to help her. They fasted for three days. She'd got Mordecai to go and get all the Jews of the city to fast with her for three days. So they're, they're calling upon the Lord for his help, and the Lord helps her. So she goes into the king on the third day. And uh, the king extends the scepter, and her life is spared. She touches the scepter, and I'm sure that was a cultural thing you had to do. And um, the king, by the way, had had very little regard for people he didn't he didn't agree with. And there's a Greek historian called Herodotus, which has had a lot to say about the Persian Empire, and he paints a terrible picture of this king as hedonistic, with no regard for life, killing family and friends. So some people think, you know, oh, there's no way the king would have killed Esther. But Esther had been around this guy, you remember, for like five years. So uh, not five years, was it five years? Yeah, it's been five years. So she knows what type of guy he's like. So when she said it's risk of death, she knew it was a genuine risk of death. And he hadn't called her for 30 days, which meant they hadn't had sex for a month. So he's obviously um, not that into her at this point, uh, you know, for there to be a break of a whole month without even seeing her. So it's not like your normal man and woman marriage where they're seeing each other every day and, and even if they're not intimate, they're doing things together. It's not like that at all. This is very much a man on his own and that's his queen, but, but he only sees her when he wants to and he has no regard for family and friends. He's even killed them. Esther knows all of this. So she doesn't have a clue what mood he's in and she's taking a real risk. So that's why she fasts for three days. She, it's, she's taking the, what, you know, she's putting it in the Lord's hands. And so she goes into the king and what she does is an act of intercession. She, she takes the burdens of others upon to herself and she goes before the king. This is what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to take the burden of our neighbours, our family, our friends, people around us who don't know the Lord, and we're called to take them to the King, who in this example is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to take them to God and say, Lord, I ask for these people that they would know the truth. Lord, open their eyes. And we, so we, we pour out our lives in intercession for them. And so that's the picture we have here of Esther. But Esther is also a picture of Christ and, uh, you know, risking his life for the sake of us. So Esther is both these pictures. So when Esther goes in, the king extends the scepter, she touches it, and then the king says, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting thing to say that. And I, I noticed that that was also said in, um, in the Gospels, you know, when Herod's daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law, well, Herod's wife's daughter, his kind of like stepdaughter, she danced for him and pleased him. And, and he said, whatever you want, up to half the kingdom. And that's when she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a plate. We'll get to the Gospels. But uh, you can see that you could try to take advantage of something like that, but Esther doesn't ask for anything for herself. And in the commentaries, they were saying that this particular phraseology is um, a cultural thing that you would say. So it's like, uh, you know, if someone comes around to your house and you invite them in and you say, come on in, make yourself at home. <laughs> they're not supposed to take that so literally that they just immediately 
do whatever they want. They're not supposed to just go to your fridge and open it up and just get stuff out. If they took it literally, make yourself at home, they'd go and hop in your bed and have a nap or you know, they'd do anything they want. It's, it's a cultural thing you say, it doesn't mean what it says. And the commentators are saying that when the king said, what is your request, even up to half a kingdom, it's a, it's a cultural saying, you're not supposed to take advantage of it. <laughs> and apparently in the Greek historian Herodotus's writings, let me find the name of this, uh, the lady that did this terrible thing. Uh, there was a woman who apparently the king said this to. Uh, I can't find it anyway. There was a woman whose name was Amiates or something like that. And she apparently had been speaking to the king and the king had said to her, what is your request even up to half my kingdom? And she said to the king, Give to me the royal robes that your wife Vashti is wearing. <laughs> well, so that was not very popular. <laughs> she ended up losing her life over that. And um, so you can see how um, it, it wasn't something to be taken advantage of. And, to, and Esther doesn't take advantage of it. Esther says, if it pleases the king, would you come to a banquet that I have prepared? And Esther knows that she has to bring the request um, a certain way. Um, it, it's like when you've got to bring up a big subject, you've got to, you know, introduce a discussion with someone and, uh, you know, there's a sensitive topic to bring up. You think about how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it, where you're going to say it. You think about it in detail. Esther has done all of that. And she thinks, I want to do it in private. I don't want it to be in the public court with all these people around. I want it to be, she, you know, she's thought it through. I want it to be in a relaxed environment. You know, he's going to have wine. I want him to be focusing on me. And uh, she, she, I don't know all the things she thought, but I know she's obviously thought about it. So she, if it pleases the king, let him come to a banquet that I prepared. But do you notice the king says, call Haman quickly, let's go. So he, he wants to do it like right now. So when they get to the banquet, <laughs> Esther says, if it pleases the king, would you come to a banquet tomorrow? So... A lot of the commentators are discussing why did she delay it for one more day? There were all different reasons that are given. I don't know what they are. Um, some people said she chickened out. I'm not sure that doesn't quite sound right to me. Some people said she that there were she was being prudent. She knew that there needed to be this process. Brenneman said it was a cultural thing, that this process of like giving people one banquet and then giving them another banquet was, t was showing the seriousness of the request. Um, I also observed when I was doing the readings that the first banquet in this chapter was called a banquet of wine. And I thought, I just thought to myself, I wonder if it's because she's still fasting. It's like the third day of fasting. So she's not eating any food. So it's a banquet of wine only. And I wondered whether the next day it was gonna have food at the banquet. I don't know, it's just conjecture. But um, so we finally get the point where Esther goes in she takes her life, she's willing to, she risks her life and uh, mercy is extended to her. <laughs> and uh, so she's now come to the place where she's called the king and Haman to the second banquet. And that's when Haman goes home, all feeling pleased with himself, and then sees Mordecai and says, I've got to do something about that Mordecai. And that's when he goes home and gets this advice and builds the gallows, which as I pointed out at the beginning is, his plan is to crucify Mordecai in the morning. Now, 
tomorrow in the morning, <laughs> there'll be another video and we're going to talk about what happens to Mordecai right then. Lord, I want to thank you for chapter five of Esther. And I pray, Lord, that, that you know, the this is just like one of those movies, Lord, the tension of it and the excitement of it and the, the, the plot. Lord, you are so into our lives. You're with us. And I even think, Lord, of how you came to earth and you took the weight of the sin upon your shoulder and you you dodged temptation and the devil's plot. Lord, it's just like this story. I want to thank you, Lord, that your story is the greatest story ever told. Lord, let our lives count for Christ. Give us grace that we might serve you and please you and be a blessing to many others. In Jesus' name, amen.